0: Hey everyone, it's Logan from the future again, trying to give you a bit of a disclaimer before we jump into the episode today. During the episode, you might hear some murmuring, maybe some hits and bumps and kind of things moving around in the background. That is 9 times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, my next door neighbor. We usually record the podcast episodes in my basement, and sometimes you can hear my neighbor's kind of noises reverberate throughout the episodes, and maybe even past episodes as well. Most of the time, though, it's not anything crazy or drastic happening. Nothing's falling or anything is breaking. It is just my neighbor doing his thing. So if you hear any odd noises throughout the episode and possibly future episodes, it is more than likely my neighbor. Other than that, please enjoy this lovely episode of Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. It's funny to think that, like, when we initially revealed, like, the, the before trilogy is our next thing. that Like, we thought, you know, romance, rom-com kind of trilogies are very much a rare thing. Mm. And then I just thought, like, a week ago. I mean, we're now filming this live on the 13th. Yeah. And um, yesterday the was the end of a rom-com trilogy on Netflix uh, to all the boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and wow. it was funny that we thought this, like, oh, there's only, like maybe one maybe two odd ones and there's this film yeah. is like at the same time happening right right and well
1: then, I, I had a similar realization i thought of um when i was making that post kind of promoting this episode um about you know the the before trilogy and i, I think i called it like the most acclaimed film series of all time or whatever mm-hmm. and then i got thinking like what even other romance film series are there? And then I just looked it up on Google, like romance film series or whatever, and the only other thing that really came up was fifty shades. I was like, Oh wow, yeah, yeah. That's that a dichotomy. Right.
0: But it is I guess that's technically true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're toxic, but yeah. they're funny at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also I think later this year we'll also get you know everyone's favorite Netflix rom-com, soon to be trilogy, but The Kissing Booth, I assume, oh, is yeah. going to get a third film this yeah. year.
1: But that is kind of weird. Like I hadn't really thought about that. Romance <clears> movies, <throat> generally, you don't you know you don't get a lot of series, you know, sequels no, to romance really. movies because usually they're they're tied off pretty well. I with mean, a bow.
0: besides those two, which are both Netflix originals and are obviously being made because. They got a lot of decent... I mean, Kissing Booth guy makes a lot of people watch it. Yeah. But Two the Boys got the sequels because it's a based off of a trilogy of books. Right. They got a lot of praise initially, not just by audiences who have Netflix, but also critically responsive. was really, really good. They're like, yeah, let's just make the other two films, or the, the other two books. And bef- But before those two, I think the only other trilogy I think... What I would constitute as probably a true odd trilogy is the Bridget Jones trilogy. Oh, yeah. Because there's Bridget Jones' Diary, then there's Edge of Reason, then there was Bridget, Bridget Jones's Jones Baby. baby. <laughs> like, like the one where Hugh Grant just was like, I do not want to be a part of this <laughs> years later. And that's, like, the only romance trilogy besides before. That was, and all the other ones
1: listed. Baby was just a couple years ago, right? 2014? Maybe twenty oh, oh, really? fifteen. I don't that think it was long
0: that. Ago? T- I don't know. It was, it, I think it came out that time when Renee Zelliger kind of came back into the public light. Yeah, and then, but um, yeah, I don't know. What What does it say? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. So again, yeah, four. Or but five still, years ago. five years ago it does feel like it sh- does not feel like it was yeah. coming out five years ago. But then again, I didn't see it. I didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> I just know the posters all look the same yeah. to me. And yeah, I, I just, it's so funny to think about how, like, we, we just went into this and we had an actual tie in trilogy if we wanted it yeah. to tie in. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because we're committing to this one. Yeah. And hello, everyone. I'm Logan Sowash.
1: And I'm Andy Carr.
0: And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, where we take a trio of films, we talk about each film, and we discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today, you know what Andy, I'm not feeling any hate, I'm not scared, I'm not confused, I'm feeling love. Just love. It's the month of love. It's all love, baby. It's Valentine's Week, Valentine's Weekend, (laughs) baby. (laughs) And what better way to ring in that new wonderful, you know, winter feel outside, because we're getting six more weeks of this, than a beautiful romance trilogy that is critically acclaimed is... Definitely the oddest romance trilogy, out of all of them. Yeah,
1: and yet the most praised, highly praised by. Yeah, I would film say
0: I would say is the highest grossing box office wise, but I think Bridget Jones would <laughs> beg to differ. But it's Richard Linklater's the Before trilogy. Yeah, and it is a trilogy that spans, uh, let's see, tw- almost years? twenty, years? No. 20 yeah, yeah, almost 20, twenty years.
1: Twenty, yeah, almost twenty years
0: because it's yeah, first one's in 1995, second one's in oh four, and then the third one's in 2013. Yeah. Which means we might do a prequel to the possible fourth one if it comes yeah. out 9 years after midnight, which will be next year. Next year. But um today we're doing something a bit different where like we've done one episode per film. We've also done three in ones, but today we're going to do something different where we do the first two films mm-hmm. as an episode cuz we feel like the reason why we want to do that is because the first two films definitely feel like the culmination of their, the two main characters like burgeoning, kind of like building love. And then the next film, which is perfect for after
1: Valentine's Day, right. talks about where that love is nearly a decade later. Because yeah. real love, it's got to last longer than Valentine's Day, folks. <laughs> yeah. It's got to last a week longer than that. And it
0: doesn't. You're probably in high school, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah. But yeah, we are starting off going right into it with 1995's Before Sunrise, which mm-hmm. is, in Linklater's career, two years, I believe, after Days to Confuse, mm-hmm. which is nuts to think the man behind Days to Confuse is just going straight to... <laughs> yeah, well, he's, <laughs> I,
1: he's one of those, you know, up there with maybe Steven Soderbergh is having, you know, one of the most eclectic filmographies oh my God, of any it's, American director.
0: Where'd you go, Bernadette? That's
1: all, <laughs> the fact that a scanner darkly... Days Confused yeah. and
0: Where'd You Go Bernadette are all from the same guy. Right. Is wild. And it does have that vibe that's like, it feels like he is the kind of director where it's like, if the material sings to him in some way, shape, or form, he'll give it a shot. Yeah. And it's also funny to think of that as a man who's worked with Matthew McConaughey, Robert Downey Jr., Keanu Reeves, Jack Black, Jack Black uh, Sissy Spacek. Like, you've got this director who's worked with so many talented people, and obviously. People like him to keep working with him, even if the film is, where'd you go, Bernadette?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and when, for for those of you who stumbled into this episode not really knowing anything about Linklater, who he is, uh, you probably know him as the director of either Days and Confused or School of Rock.
0: Yes, I think School of Rock is definitely yeah. his biggest, yeah. his most mainstream. Yeah, yeah. yeah, mainstream for sure. And it's, I mean, it, it is a, and it's also, it's like, I mean, he did Bad News Bears remake, yeah, yeah, that that <laughs> Which stands
1: is, out to me in his filmography is just kind of an odd fit.
0: That definitely the, screams like I loved the the original Bad News yeah. Bears, and I I've, I'm gonna give a chance, I guess, right. to do this. But yeah, Linklater, known for mainly, you know, Matthew McConaughey and probably one of his sleaziest roles, but also iconic roles, and yeah, known for giving Jack Black the. Even more of an edge that he was probably always going to get, but like that kind of like the turning point in his career yeah. with School of Rock. Linklater is also known for making one of the most authentic, honestly low budget but beautiful trilogies that takes place in vastly different locations. Each films has the same two actors, mm-hmm. and also is pretty much proto Boyhood because it's also the man behind Boyhood. Right. By having all three films take place nine years apart from one another. Yeah which is something that is very unheard of especially when you think of like I mean like when I talked in the intro with Two All the Boys like that film came out in 2018 it was popular <laughs> and the second one came out in 2020 um, the third one came out this year yeah so like you you like get on those unless it's like right, right. unless it's like a Bridget Jones situation where well that's probably a Zellweger like kind of internal conflict like do we really want to do another one yeah Type well, scenario
1: well and you're <clears throat> speaking to something that I'm sure we'll get into a little more later in the conversation but um link kind of obsession with time and the passage of time and how yeah. time affects relationships oh, sure. and culture and that sort of thing and you know the before trilogy outside of maybe outside of maybe boyhood the before trilogy is probably his most overt like movie about time passing oh absolutely yeah i um, just you know <clears throat> Or at least his, you know, his most obvious experiment with time outside of boyhood.
0: Like there have been films in the past that have done a certain similar thing to this, where like I think a, a good example is just, like kind of Barry Jacobs' Moonlight, mm-hmm. where it's like taking three different parts of someone's life. Right. But in those situations, it's
1: three different actors. Yeah, and, and it was and, shot all yeah. around the same time. And yeah. It's in the same movie, and
0: that's usually the normal case where it's like <laughs> you find somebody who is a good, maybe older counterpart to Mm -hmm. who they're going to play. And usually that makes the case. But in this, it's like, yeah, every film is like, the first film is basically these two people fall in love in their late 20s. The second film is like their mid to late 30s. And the third film, they're in their 40s. Right. And it's like, it is vastly different in terms of like, it's vastly different than what a studio would do.
1: Mm -hmm. This is
0: 100% feels like a passion project for Linklater, Hawk, and Delpy. Yeah, who Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are the main they're the main romance.
1: Right. Well, and, they're pretty much the only characters. Yes, honestly. I mean, <laughs> at like, least in yeah. the first two films.
0: Oh, for sure. There's there's fun like side characters that obviously feel like they they probably are actors, but at the same time, yeah. Well,
1: no no other character has more than about a scene. Yeah, in the film, yeah.
0: Know? Every every scene is still tied around
1: them. Yeah,
0: you, there's not another character where it's like they get their own scene. It's always it's either about those two characters, which mm-hmm. it's Jesse and Celine,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: Jesse and Celine, um, and it's the first film, 1995's Before Sunrise. Two beautiful people just chilling out on a train due to an arguing German couple that's also on the same train causes Julie Delpy Celine to move, runs into Ethan Hawke. They start to have a conversation. And, you know, Ethan
1: Hawke's going to... What is it? He's going to Vienna.
0: Yes, he's going to Vienna to basically go on a uh, plane to go back to the States. Right. While as uh, Julie Delphi Celine is taking the train through Vienna to go to Paris.
1: Where where she's from. Yes. Yeah, she's going. Vienna. They're both going home. Yes. Um,
0: she's in college, and he's kind of just – he kind of roamed around Europe yeah, for a Yeah, he's month. kind of he's, on a little solo Euro trip. Yeah, he's figuring out his life, yeah. like backpacking through Europe. And in that situation – They meet, they talk, and then basically Ethan Hawke's Jesse's like, hey, I might never get this chance again. Would you like to spend a day with me in Vienna? And the day in Vienna is that film.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: It is so straightforward in terms of like,
1: there's that. (laughs) It's a very spur of the moment, kind of off the cuff experience for both of them where he's just like, yeah, let's just let's just try this. You know, you want to you yeah. want to hang out with me on my last night, mm-hmm. and then they do, and they get into super you know deep conversation about who they are and why they are and a what lot they of, would yeah. be to each other a after lot of, this night.
0: A lot of philosophical talks, mm-hmm. a lot of romantic talks about life in general. But yeah, but what's so interesting about it too is like that is the basic gist, and I can see a lot of people being like that. I don't know how that could keep my interest for it's almost two hours yeah but the thing is it keeps your interest because that is that is the basic idea but what they do to execute that idea is unique authentic and very interesting where it's like him convincing her to come to vienna with him it's not like a hey this is a this is meant to be type thing he he goes into a speech of like listen let's say I'm a time traveler Mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, I've, I've, I've realized that like, you know, maybe in the future you'll be with, you'll be with a husband and you'll think maybe that time traveler is like, was, was the one. Well, I'm here to tell you that like we should hang out today and maybe we'll figure out if I (laughs) was was something or not. And it's like very, very unique, very Ethan Hawkey, to be honest. A lot of it feels very much,
1: which I think is, it's one of those that, that, A lot of the stuff that Jesse talks about and says about himself, and this lines up with how Ethan Hawke is as a person in real life, Um, a lot of it is like it would be pretentious if it wasn't so earnest, like if he wasn't clearly being so genuine.
0: I, I genuinely believe, as of right now, in my personal opinion... He is the most, he's the only person where I can hear pretentious shit come out of mm. where I don't feel like he is pretentious. Like, I genuinely yeah.
1: believe what he's saying. He's, yeah, he's really one of those, <laughs> to not <clears throat> wax too heavily poetic about an actor. Um, he's, yeah, one, he's like an artist's artist. He's a, yeah. he's an actor's actor, and he loves the art of acting he's, and the art of
0: telling a story and which perfectly fits with link later as a director because yeah, yeah. i think director also he has that vibe where it's like even if he's doing studio projects link later has that vibe that he's doing it because he has a connection to it that he right. thinks he can bring to it right which hawk does in jesse and julie dopey absolutely does oh, with celine for sure like it's again this is this is probably the most interesting about like this odd trilogy in particular is this is an odd trilogy that i feel like works I mean, it's made or break based off of the couple. Because yeah. that's the only thing about rom-com films is, like, with rom-com films, like, it can be shitty, but if the couple still works and has that chemistry, a lot of the times people will forgive a lot of things yeah. in a rom-com or just a romance film in general. And with this, it's like, and I don't even call this a rom-com. I would just call this a straight-up romance. It's just romance, yeah. It, it is, is funny, but
1: not, oh, yeah. like, laugh out loud or, like, yeah. you know. It's
0: not a Fairly Brothers film. It's, just, it's a... Uh, it's a straightforward, like, the funny stuff comes very naturally.
1: Yeah, it's almost like you're laughing with them mm-hmm. as though you were in the situation. You were, like, relating mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. It's
0: it's like the equivalent of finding something funny in a group of friends compared to, like, finding something funny in, like, a wacky situation. Right. It's kind of how it felt, where it's like watching them, it almost felt like you were walking with them. And when you hear these inside jokes that they're kind of jabbing each other with and they're laughing about, you also laugh as well because you were there for those yeah. moments. And it works so well, and it's it's just so it's it's so weird to think about how just easy everything feels in this, and also how like not really dated this film feels yeah it it's, feels
1: very timeless
0: yeah you know, like this film is going to be thirty years and twenty five <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well, yet the only thing that I guess is the most dated part about it is like they're not on their cell phones ever because yeah. they're in their late twenties and it's the nineties and they're right. in that age. And it makes sense that it's like, yeah, we'll just just walk around Vienna, and they're like, oh, maybe we'll find a map. And it's like, yeah, it's like things like obviously that dates it to a degree. But, like, it feels very much what keeps it timeless is the authenticity of the relationship, especially which we'll talk about more in Sunset. But, like, there's just a good amount of things that we both said, like, I can kind of see someone saying that for real or hell one of us thinking yeah, like saying yeah, that I at mean, a first date or I think you said it best watching sunrise that it was like a lot of the conversations feel so good because it feels very much like I can see myself if I was confident like Hawk in the scenario mm-hmm. saying something like this yeah on well, like a first date and, and
1: you know I feel like I even I even have had some of the experiences that they have with each other yeah in in that movie, you know, like on, on a first date with somebody or on kind of a spur of the moment meeting with somebody and you mm-hmm. really just click and you start really digging deep into yourself and into the other person and kind of oh, finding yeah. yourselves together, even though you're kind of strangers. Yeah, uh, there's like a, a therapeutic nature to their their conversations and their their mm-hmm. relationships where it's like, uh, I didn't know this about myself until mm-hmm. I just told you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> kind of
1: thing. Oh yeah. I mean, personally, with like with my girlfriend right now, when we first
0: met, it was like you know standard coffee shop situation. Mm-hmm. But like similar to kind of like how this feels, it's like you get so interested in someone else, and you're not trying to rush things, but you also don't want it to end yet. Yeah. So like that that coffee day that I had with my girlfriend ended up being like walking around town for like five hours. Yeah. And that's and then... like kind of vibe where it's like you have this vibe like you know what I have I have the day yeah. to just do this. <laughs>
1: Why don't we just do this? Right, it's, when it's the, yeah. You get to yeah. the end of it and you realize you've hung out for eight hours and you didn't really do anything, no. but it was awesome. But you did. <laughs> yeah, you did
0: something emotionally that, like, emotionally is resonating, even though physically you guys are maybe just like hanging out, yeah. sitting out, just talking the whole time.
1: And I don't think I've ever seen a movie that captures movies that, that capture that feeling, that experience, like these movies do specifically yeah. sunrise in this case
0: because yeah, most rom-coms or like romance films would be like even though they know it's a trope and they might even you know make fun of it at times they still kind of do almost the love at first sight kind of scenario yeah, yeah and very few films like i think one of the only ones that really follows that and, and good and doesn't follow that is like when harry met sally sure but like you know before sunrise is a great job of like you can see the moment that both of them are interested in one each other just physically mm-hmm where they just sit across from one another, and he's reading Kafka? I think he's reading, he's <laughs> yeah, reading it's, Kafka. It's and something he's, kind and of classically yeah. pretentious. Yes. It's something that you would think Ethan Hawke would actually be reading in right, his right. late 20s. And Celine just reading, I think, like a poetry book? Or like yeah, a journal. I thought it was a magazine or something. But yeah. you might be right. Mm-hmm. It could be poetry. But like, it's the fact that like, they do subtle eye moves to one another, and you go, oh, they're thinking about one another. They're thinking about who's making that first mm-hmm. move. And then like from that point forward, you see... All those moments throughout the film where it's like you can tell in the film when Ethan Hawke wants to kiss uh, Julie Delpy. Yeah, it's scenes. Almost every yeah, scenes scene. before it happens, yeah. and it's like with Julie Delpy, it's the same way where like he she looks at him and it's like it's almost like you can see her in her head go like Do I am I in love with this guy after one night? Like it's like you're seeing them have internal conversations with themselves as they're having these philosophical mm-hmm. life conversations with each other. Yeah, and it's just like it is. It's so weird to say all that and feel like it's so chill at the same time. Yeah, like you it's think, a very
1: relaxed you, movie. Like
0: talking about like fate and death and like divorce and like the idea of not knowing where to go next and like the fear of the unknown at times. All these things feel like these should be like stressful topics, but they're executed in such a casual, serious way. Yeah. That it, it almost kind of like exudes that energy onto you, so you're like, I'm just I'm just vibing with this conversation. Yeah, well, it's
1: like I mean, in terms of how they're talking about it with each other, it's like they're finding comfort in exploring that uncertainty together. Yeah, and being like we. <clears throat> Are both on the same page with this, or maybe we have different opinions, but we're mm-hmm. excited by each other's different different perspectives. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, and that's a huge part of these movies. Absolutely, is like, they disagree about a lot of things, but they're not like—I mean, not like in a you know aggressive mm-hmm. way where they're fighting. Really, no, 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 but no. They have different perspectives about things, and it's not like they just yeah. constantly relate or agree on the same things. But they grow with each mm-hmm. other with every conversation. Yeah,
0: and, and what's really great cool. too is like you. Can almost tell when these things are going to come out in terms of like where they stand on because there are two, in my opinion, there are, there's a defining factor of each character where it's like where they are in their life right now is surrounded by this character trait and there's more to them but like to me it's like for Jesse it was the divorce of his parents yeah because his divorce of his parents leads to a lot of like things about fate
1: mm-hmm. and
0: like it's like how he doesn't really believe in that and the cynical ideas that he has in his own. And the fact that, like, um, Celine is her grandmother. yeah, Her grandmother is a big proponent of why she's very hopeful, very optimistic, and why she believes in fate and Mm -hmm. believes in love. And it plays into the later films. And it's so interesting to see, like, they have, like, these things are introduced, like, almost nonchalantly. Like, she brings up her grandmother every now and again. But it's so frequent that you go, oh, this woman is important to him Mm -hmm. or to her. And then for him, it's like he brings up his um uh his parents' divorce and he says it as if it doesn't mean anything to him, but it's very obvious <laughs> yeah. that it is it has impacted his thoughts in terms of relationships and love. And from that point forward it's like you can't help but look and like re just like just think about it and like recontextualize everything they say under that guise, mm-hmm. knowing that there's more to them than that, but it's like it's hard not to think that as people, there are defining moments in our lives that recontextualize and re- make us reconsider certain things, and I think this movie captures that well without feeling stereotypical. Right. And uh, it's just I don't I have I honestly have no issue with this movie. No, I, I love this movie. I think it's
1: it's I yeah. it's, it's I mean I was wondering how you felt it's about like it the, too. The I only mean. the only thing I I yeah I had no zero negative feelings or thoughts or criticisms about this movie until i watched the second one and i was like wow somehow they trimmed the fat off of a oh, completely yes. lean movie do we just want to go right into it or it do we might want to- as well i mean we can you know hop back and yeah. forth if we have more but-, but
0: yeah so like what's so great about i will say this the, the ending of sunrise is I mean, you brought it up where it's like, the ending of Sunrise is the type of ending where it's like, I kind of wish I didn't know they had a sequel. Yeah. Because in all reason, like, Sunrise has such a great ending where it's like, if there is nothing after this, then I am satisfied and I feel like this is a great time capsule of, like, mm-hmm. this love at this one time in, like, 94. Because the film takes place a yeah. year before the film, take, the film came out. And then, but we knew that. Because we picked it for the trilogy, so we knew we were going to get into something where it's like, well, they're obviously going to meet up again. What is going to lead to this? And then in comes Before Sunset, and it is astounding how, like you said, it trims the fat. It does everything it does in the first film, but it does it faster. It's so fast. And it doesn't feel, but it doesn't feel like it hurts the pace. Yeah, it's
1: so weird. It's shockingly, like economical yeah. with its script and pacing. Oh my it's God, just like, yeah. wow, we're really diving right into this.
0: So it's like, in the second film, I think it takes place in 2003 mm-hmm. and Jesse is now a successful writer and uh, Celine works for a, I can't remember, she works for like, like a, a, a non-for-profit. Yeah. yeah,
1: she's like kind of an environmental mm-hmm. or... or yeah. Um, yeah,
0: She worked for the government for, the, for a while, even lived in the States for like a little bit and then came back to France and worked for a mm-hmm. non-for-profit. And while uh, Jesse is on the tail end of his book tour, which is in Paris, uh, while he's at his last function, he Whoa. turns.
1: Oh. <laughs> this book, by the way, was inspired by their night in Vienna yes. from the first film. He I basically was... rewrote, like, retold that entire night yeah. in book form. His
0: book is Before Sunrise yeah. <laughs> in in universe. And while he's like answering questions from fans and doing a book signing, Celine just shows up, mm. and then like. He's like, I've got an hour and a half until I have to get to my flight. Uh, do you want to hang out? And then the film just goes. Yeah,
1: it <laughs> they just basically it, like real time.
0: Yeah, the majority of the film is long takes, very little cuts of them just walking. Yeah, and it's very clear that they put so much time and effort in not only blocking but knowing in the conversation when it's time to turn. Mm-hmm. And there's because there's time where Julie Delpy and it doesn't it doesn't go out of place. This is just something I noticed where it's like. Julie Delvey, Celine will just go like, oh, we turn this way. And it's very obvious they have planned that. They've rehearsed it. But it feels so natural because it's like Celine is showing Jesse around Paris because he's been there for a while, but he doesn't really know Paris Mm -hmm. like she does. It's her home. Yeah. And so, like, they get a coffee, and then they're like, hey, let's do this thing. And they do this thing. It's basically before sunrise but in half the time. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so nuts that this film is, like, 80 minutes a tight 80 <laughs> yeah. and does just as much well romantically as the first one does
1: yeah and somehow i mean it, it expands on not only their relationship but like what this kind of non i mean it's a relationship but like yeah. not a dating relationship because they haven't seen each other in <clears throat> yeah. years um but it, it's it's just shocking how in an 80 minutes, and what's effectively 80 minutes for them, at least it feels like. Um, yeah. I think it's it, only been like two to three hours in their time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, shockingly almost real time. The time discrepancy of. is not that big. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it, it's just amazing how in that time, in their time, they're able to get not only back to where they were years Mm -hmm. before when they Mm -hmm. met the first time, Mm -hmm. but also so much further and extrapolate further on concepts about, you know, who they are to each other, who they could be to each other, you know, what their futures look like, what the years in between this meeting and the last meeting have looked like. It's it is
0: Um, insane. Just the fact that, like, the film at one point just does, like, the one thing you think would be kind of cheesy or whatnot is that they the film just automatically when when they start talking and hanging out, it just cuts to scenes from the uh the first film. Yeah, just a little like snippets. Insert shots, it basically yeah. does the TLDR version of before sunrise where it's like the kiss on the Ferris wheel, they hang out at the bar, they have these wonderful talks about fate and whatnot. They have sex on a on a random park <laughs> They kiss. Which you tastefully yeah. don't see. You don't see tastefully. We don't need that. Which we both were like. You thought I, was, I thought they I didn't was have convinced sex. they had
1: sex. You were convinced they didn't. So I'm just used to like <laughs> just showing it explicitly. So I'm like, they're not saying anything. Well, and the best part <laughs> is that then before sunset plays with that concept in front of you so like they he said one line or something about how they had sex and i look at you and i point (laughs) at you i'm like see (laughs) see and then she's like no we didn't and then you're uh... like see (laughs) 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 and then they have this debate about whether or not they had sex which is which is wild
0: to think that you could handle that conversation so flippantly and relaxed but they do it and it makes sense later on the story because it's it's just like you see that moment when actually it happens when you do the flashback when Jesse is doing his uh, book interview stuff mm-hmm. cuz he's taught... cuz like of course a book and uh, uh, journalist is like is this book based off of anything real <laughs> right, right, <laughs> like as he's explaining that it's well it's like a concept and then yeah. as he's doing that you're seeing the actual scenes the film is based <laughs> off of and it's also interesting too cuz in Before Sunset they also established that in his book he writes kind of like an epilogue per se where it's like how would he how he would have saw like their returning coming back together yeah. and it's not at all like before Sunset but it adds a nice context in terms of like how Jesse would have seen that because mm-hmm. there's one thing we didn't bring up when talking about Sunrise and I didn't bring up what the ending is like at the end of Sunrise they say like they make a pact in the film where it's like you know we're not going to see each other again and that's okay let's just enjoy this night for what it is but they start to f- fall for each other so much harder after that moment that when she's about to leave to go to Paris and he's gonna go to he's gonna go on his plane, he they basically make a pact where it's like, no, I have to see you again right let's see each other again in six, six months. months in November I think no yeah it's no in December, December it's, yeah, yeah it's like we'll see each other at this date in December and it's like okay and they kiss and they don't see each other again and then before sunset happens, Nine years later, and it's pretty much clear that they did not see each other that night. Yeah. So already, it's like, what is this conversation going to lead mm-hmm. up? And every single conversation does the same thing it does in Before Sunrise, where it gives you more context on both of them, but it excels and just in in just getting so much more out of so little time.
1: Yeah, like in the, cause it's, well, it's yeah, it's shockingly like narratively so much simpler, mm-hmm. and yet like technically and the concepts that are going on between the lines under the hood it's so much more complex
0: like for sequels like this especially if it's like a a romance type thing or just like just a romance in a film it doesn't have to be a romance film but like just a a romance pairing in a film even though it is a sequel or just like it is in a later film most times the director or the writers almost kind of take them back to to square one and they kind of rebuild that relationship again I mean, Indiana Jones is kind of like that with uh, Marion Ravenwood right. in, like, the first one and the fourth one where it's like she comes back. And they basically rebuild that relationship again. Let's say, like, it's not a great example, but, like, uh, Bruce Banner and, uh Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Where it's just kind of like every time they see each other after that, it almost feels like they're kind of redoing it again. Yeah, yeah. And it's like for most romances and films, it kind of feels like that's what they're going for. But with Before Sunset... It feels like immediately as they're talking, it is almost like picking right back up from all the development you got from Sunrise and more. Yeah, where it's like it, everything it takes comes just a back. second.
1: There's like a few minutes, you know, when yeah, they're it's, first hanging out it's an in Sunset high. where it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's kind of catch up like we're, you know, basically strangers. And mm-hmm. then within a few minutes, they're, they're getting right into it and right about, you know, who they are, who they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, that's the interesting thing about these movies is the first one is so much about, I think, them exploring who they are and kind of revealing themselves to each other. And then this one is less about them as individuals, although it does, you know, touch on how they've grown. And it's more about who they are or who they could be to each other. Yeah. And what two people in such an odd circumstance like this are to each other, you know what oh, what they absolutely. what it's... they owe to each other, what they give to each other, what they get from one another, how they work together.
0: Like a, a romance like this is only so palpable when it when it depends on the amount of development for each character. Yeah, yeah. where it's like Before Sunrise works so well because. You can truly believe that these are the type of people who believe in, like, I just ran into you on a train and this might be the last time I see you again. Mm-hmm. You know, not really love at first sight, but a little bit like that.
1: Yeah, well, it's just, and, yeah, very yeah. quick connection mm-hmm. and chemistry Yeah, and then, without ever feeling like that kind of contrived cliche, like, I look mm-hmm. at her and I know.
0: Yeah. But then in Sunset, like, the first time he sees her, it's the first time, I think, in the film he truly gets uh, tongue-tied. Yeah, and where it's just like he sees her, and he just goes, "Oh,", oh. <laughs> yeah. and it's like he doesn't know how to answer for yeah, a bit. Well, he's Jesse is
1: such a talker, and yes, a, you know, and I kind of relate to that because I can be so long winded when oh, yeah. I'm talking to people and just oh, yeah. ramble and indulge myself to no yeah. end. Jesse's perfect at bullshit. You can yeah. see him
0: being a like a fun, charismatic guy who can always kind of jump into a conversation regardless right. of how much or how little he knows of a conver- of a uh, topic. Then here comes Celine, and he just like internally, it's like he's screaming and you're seeing it. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, oh my God. Yeah. And then there's that one moment where it's like, it makes it even more interesting where it's like, so did you read the book? <laughs> 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 and, and then it just opens up so many. It's the f- sunset to me. I love Just as Much as Sunrise and I mean, uh, honestly I think I like it more. I think I might like it more I too. I would rewatch it more. Oh yeah. Think. Well, it's 80 minutes that also helps too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could rewatch yeah, I it. Yeah, could. More. I could rewatch it more technically. But what's great about Sunrise Sunset compared to Sunrise, well I think Sunrise has moments like this. Every conversation with Sunset opens another door of opportunity and just keeps happening and mm-hmm. happening and happening where it's like in all honesty for me personally I would have watched an 80 minute film with just them talking about what happened in sunrise. Yeah. Cuz they just like as soon as the topic comes up it's so interesting to hear them talk about like I don't remember us having sex. Yeah. No, we definitely did. I remember the type of condom I had. Right. Yeah. And it's like oh my god it's, and then like, it's this like, is like so interesting you know, they, they and
1: get weird. further on and it's like you know I put so many layers over my memory of that night because of what that night yeah. did to me as a person and my yeah. thoughts on love oh yeah and it's... my optimism of life and it's just so interesting to see how you know even though they never did meet up again mm-hmm. like they planned to like that one night that they had together how much it influenced them by the time they get to where they are yes. in sunset it's like they're you know they're they're still very much the same people but they've grown so much and changed so much largely because of that night. Yeah. Not just because of outside factors that happened, but, like, they clearly made such an impact on each other. And they're kind of just realizing it in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, how much... You know, because, like you said, in the first film, there are clear kind of roots of why they are who they are. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, Jesse's parents and Celine's grandmother. And then in this film, the roots of where they're at are each other.
0: It's everything, It's it's (laughs) everything in the sunrise plus just nine years of living.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the... But it's all, like, colored. Yes. You, like, you realize that it's... Their entire lives since then has been colored by that night that they shared together. And
0: what's the biggest change about the... Of both of them is their viewpoints have flipped to a degree. Yeah. Where Celine is now the cynic mm-hmm. and Jesse is more of the optimist. Right. Where right. it's also kind of crazy because it's so weird to think of this film, especially how political Linklater is and how and p- opinionated he is because... It's hard not to watch one of his films and have moments of like this feels like this is Linklater talking here. <laughs> Boyhood, especially, is that like this is a post nine eleven film, and it is brought up to a degree about you know post nine eleven America and whatnot. But it's not as it's not a big of a thing as you think it would be. But yeah. it has it does bring up great conversations about like. Jesse believes that we are getting better as a oh, as a population yeah, as yeah. a people. Well, Celine believes that we are constantly getting worse, and that just is a broad, it just like a broad statement of like, oh, she's cynical now, he's optimistic now, and then yeah. it completely goes into more subtle conversations about where that comes from. Right. Well, and the interesting and
1: thing not only are they flipped with relation to each other, mm-hmm. you know, being the cynic and the idealist, but also like. They're kind of the, she's the cynic and he's the idealist in spite of kind of where their own lives are at. Yes. Like, she's in a, a pretty good place, you know, her, oh, her she's, professionally, yeah. she's doing great. She's doing what she, lo- like, loves She's doing. helping people. She's, she's helping people. She feels very fulfilled by that, even if she, you know, mm-hmm. sees the world very cynically yeah. as a result. Meanwhile, he is in a, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe failing marriage is not the right word, but kind of, kind of a loveless marriage where it's become yes. kind of a performative, yeah. like, doing this for our kids kind of thing. M- his mental health is just not great, which becomes clearer, you know, the further you get into the film. Yes. And yet, he's the more optimistic of the yeah. two and the more laid back. And it's just interesting how not only have they flipped from each other, but they're they're kind of... Mm-hmm. Their personalities and worldviews are almost the opposite of where yeah. they are at, and respectively, and in life. And
0: it's insane to think that a lot of that is also just due to the fact that, like, you find out the reason why. So, basically, when they tried to meet up again, Jesse actually showed up, but Celine didn't. And he never knew why, because they yeah. never register. They never gave each other phone numbers or pen pals. Because they, they were just
1: like, we're going to meet on this date in yeah. this place. Because they believe
0: that, like you know, oh, most of the time when you have when you send letters to one another and you oh. talk to people, it doesn't last
1: long. It's just going to burn out. Yeah, yeah. They're and so, like, contacting. he
0: shows up there, and he just assumed she forgot or something happened. Mm-hmm. But in reality, she was at her grandmother's funeral, yep. and her grandmother is such a huge part as to why she believes in an optimistic love and how she almost kind of believes in a love at first sight to a degree because of her grandmother. It's crazy to think and in sunset. One of the reasons why she's cynic is because she lost such a warm, optimistic side of a family member. And yeah. then Jesse is the way that he is. And the reason why he's so optimistic during a, obviously is going to lead to a divorce, which mm-hmm. he obviously never wanted to have right. because of his parents' past relationship he is optimistic because what he sees in his son and what he wants to be for his son. Yeah. And it's like, that's insane how it's like these two things where it's like, you don't really ever need to develop either of these ideas again after sunrise, because there are multiple other things you can do. I don't need those to come back, but they come back and they evolve and almost mutate in a way where it's unique and interesting in this film without it feeling like, Oh, we're doing sunrise again with their issues because you're right. There's much more to it than these two things, but it is a big proponent. Yeah, because like with Celine, there's the biggest moment in the sunset to me is hilariously the drive to Celine's apartment, oh, yeah. <laughs> where like Celine just fucking goes off. She kind of loses it. She yeah. loses it, and it's like Jesse's like, "Whoa, whoa! Can I please talk? If you're if you're assuming all these things about, can I please talk?
1: Yeah. Where it's like well, she she's, she's been kind of bottling up all of this. Um, it's not necessarily, I mean, it it kind of manifests itself as resentment of him, but it comes out of like, you know, you know, the day her grandma died was the day they were supposed to meet and like (laughs) kind of in one fell swoop, her optimism at life from her grandmother and her kind of hope for romance with him died at the same time. And it's just like in that stroke, she became kind of bitter about. Leave it.
0: Leave it to her thing. to be, of all the things to keep in her, like mind in terms of what she believes. Post her grandmother's death, is she believes in fate, yeah. but she fe- believes in fate in the most unfortunately sad yeah. way, where she believes that she is just meant to live alone. Because right. she believes, yeah, that because she of her grandmother's death and missing that day that i guess she's supposed to live a loveless life and Mm -hmm. even though she's successful what does that mean to her she just she's like i know i don't need another man but i I want someone else there and it's like yeah it makes perfect sense that like it is and it's also one of the best parts about it too is like she does hold some resentment towards jesse but it's entirely selfish because of how she, he wrote her in the book. Right. he The way that he wrote her, from what it sounds like they talk about, he wrote her fairly accurately. Yeah. She's very much this romantic, optimistic person. And when she reads that book, she doesn't see herself as that anymore. And she loathes that. And she's yeah. obviously been holding on to this to a degree where she sees... The person in the mirror is not how she feels, right. and she feels like she's much worse than she actually is. And then it leads to a tirade in a car that makes you feel very sad for the driver who's driving because this <laughs> yeah. is very much a conversation that you should have privately. <laughs> yeah.
1: Gosh, and just his reaction to that is so good. He's yeah. like terrified and. Kind of amused, but not in like a laughing at her expense way. Just like a, I did not see this coming. I was like, I didn't, what did I do? <laughs> the, his line, the, can, can, can I, can I talk? Yeah, it's so good. He says it so many times <laughs> where it's like, she's, it's, she's she, she keeps trying
0: him. to, she keeps trying to get out of the car. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude, you can't just say all that and then just try to run away from it. Like we have to talk about this. Yeah. And again, it's also very interesting to think about one of the key moments going back to Jesse's parents. Cause I'm just thinking about this now where it's like a big part in before sunrise is Jesse's going like, yeah, they got divorced, but in all honesty, I don't even know why they stayed together. Like they would have been happier if they weren't together. And I, right. I know as a kid, and then you get to sunset and he's in basically where his parents position was yeah, and... where it's like, I, I feel nothing for this woman and I want her to be happy. And I want, him to be happy, but like if we get separated, it's gonna probably screw things up. Yeah, and it's like,
1: do you under do you even remember any of these conversations that you had because this feels so wild? Well, and, yeah, and the interesting thing is, yeah, in Sensei, he doesn't really make any of those connections at least, not no. out loud. Oh, no, you I know, don't he, think he does. Because yeah. The first film, he's talking so much about his parents and how it didn't work out, and then this one, he's talking mm-hmm. about so much about himself and how it's not working out. And yeah, it's like he understands his parents' plight without mm-hmm. realizing that that was their plight yeah and it's just it's fascinating just to yeah kind of see him unpack so much mm-hmm. but still not quite get yeah all of it it's <laughs> you're going from the just you know
0: idealistic late 20s kind of like i'm just roman i'm just mm-hmm. roman europe and trying to figure out where i want to go and just like i'm I'm in college right now and I can do whatever I want and cut to nearly a decade later. And both these people are like, I just, I don't know what to do next Mm -hmm. (laughs) where they're constantly thinking about like that night was great and all, but I, every time I think about that night, I worry that I just didn't do something right. (laughs) And it's like, Oh damn, (laughs) damn. But thankfully without all that, I mean, despite all that, it, 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 it's still just a very romantic film. And I cannot. I, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound silly and be like, there's no way it can be romantic without this. They don't ever kiss in Sunset. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Sunrise, it's like in the first 30 minutes where it's like. Yeah. Which is like he, Ethan Hawke fails at trying to swoon Celine. So Celine is just like, oh, I want to kiss you. Yeah. I'm just going to make fun of you that you tried to do that. Right.
1: The first, the first <laughs> one's so much more. Mushy, you know, like and it it definitely isn't by the standard of most (laughs) romance films. But like it, you know, if that's the itch you're trying to scratch with a romance movie, that the first film is definitely going to fulfill that more. And this one is a lot more, you know, obviously partly because of their circumstance, having not seen each other in forever, and the fact that he is married. Yeah, he's Um, he's
0: still married, but he's it's very clear in the conversation (laughs) that he doesn't want to be. Yeah, and And is basically going to get separated at some point. Yeah like it's it's very clear that similar again to Sunrise is he is over here in Europe not only because of a book tour, but it keeps him away from actually dealing with the issues back at home yeah. similar to Sunrise with his family. And it's like seeing Celine again and her seeing Jesse again, it makes it clear that like they're now in a point in their lives where it's like they could now make it work. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that they know that, right? But neither least, one of yeah, them by says the end, it. Yeah, yeah. I think halfway through, it's like when they. Well, actually, I think it's during the very intense talk on the boat, and also in the car ride mm-hmm. to Celine's place, where it's very clear to both of them where it's like, oh my god, we we both kind of have the same feelings. Yeah, it's about kind this. of a and
1: we should, but can we? kind He's of like, thing uh, yeah, and then by the end yeah. that can we is answered. it's almost
0: it's almost like it's almost like god is this cliche if we fall in love again <laughs> right right. But by the end of it it's just like they've ah, transcended f- the yeah. cliche and they go ah fuck it who cares if it's <laughs> cliche but it's, it's like similar to sunrise but now to an umpteenth degree there are just scenes where you could see ethan hawk looking at celine and he is he is practically undressing her with his eyes thinking about that night yeah just every love like every feeling he's ever felt about her is finally is like coming back almost like a freight train similar Mm. to celine looking at him and it's clear that like there's a certain point where it's like i swear it's like halfway through the film where it's just like i don't think i'm gonna make my plane Mm-hmm. where it's like Jesse is like I I just don't well, think an hour and a half is enough for this yeah
1: well for most of the movie he keeps saying she keeps bringing up his flight and he yeah. kind of increasingly inches toward the phrase "I, you know I know I'm not gonna make it like I'm yeah. definitely not I, I'm going not to, going make, it. to yeah. make it Yeah, um, and it's kind of finally right there at the end of the movie that he's basically like yeah I know yeah that's (laughs) That's honestly
0: that's honestly compared with both these films that is my favorite shot at the end where Uh, it's just ethan hawk
1: second to last shot yeah yeah
0: where it is just zooming in on ethan hawk and you're seeing his whole body and you're seeing him play with his wedding ring and he's obviously thinking about back home and then when he decides to finally admit to himself that he's not going to leave Mm -hmm. his hand goes out of frame And he just—it's—it's visually shown, yeah. It's visually shown that he is not thinking about reality, or thinking about being an adult right now. He's letting himself fall in love again. Yeah. And I think with Celine, it's Celine's moment in that is playing the beautiful song. Oh, that song is so good. So Julie Delpe is uh, just fantastic across the board she's a beautiful singer she's a great actress it's she's also a director and i i need to start watching all of her films because i I want to get a movie out this year apparently so yeah i think it came out in france in like late 2019 early 2020 but now it finally might get an international release Mm -hmm. but like she she brings up in sunset that she's a she's a musician and you know she plays guitar and it's like oh. We're probably gonna hear a song at some point. And then when you get to that song, again, this film just like it it it, it sets it up almost immediately in the film that it's like, Oh, I I write songs here and there. Yeah. So you think we're gonna get a song. But when you get to that song, she she just says basically through the song that he she's never forgotten about him and she probably never will. Yeah she never will well,
1: and it's interesting to hear her sing that song and all you know say that basically so explicitly after kind of hiding yeah. that the whole movie even to the point mm-hmm. where she goes off on him for like you know kind of ruining her mm-hmm. her view of love and then kind of at the end just finally getting down to the the beauty of that and the, yeah. the fact that she knows that she needs to be with him
0: yeah because that's the funny thing, too, is uh, she is the cynic in this one. But I think in Sunrise, I think she... Sunrise, even though she was optimistic, she never really believed in there's one person for everybody. Yeah. And then well, in it, Sun- it doesn't
1: feel like either of them feel yeah. that way.
0: But then in Sunset, it's pretty clear that one of the reasons why she's cynical and pissed at Jesse is because at one point in her life, she, at that moment, does believe that yeah. they, would, they would make it right. But she's afraid to do anything because she's worried that the, the mystique of like that that night they had and just like that the romanticized version of him in her brain is gonna ruin like yeah. the rea- reality is gonna ruin that right. but then you listen to her song and it's pretty clear that she's I mean one of the best parts about the, in the song uh, she says the she like uh, I can't remember but she basically says who she's writing this song for Jesse obviously <laughs> but like she stutters for a bit. And it seems like it's almost. She's intentionally stuttering to make it seem like it's the type of song where you can just throw anyone's name in yeah. there. But it's pretty clear it's meant to be for Jesse. Ah. And when she says his name in the song, you get like a shitty grin from Ethan <laughs> Hawke. And he's like, oh, was that song for me? Yeah. Or did you just put my name in there? Like, it's pretty obvious they
1: know. Yeah. In the Gosh, film. It's such a haunting song, too. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's, you know. Sad and yeah, it's, it's very melancholy. Yeah, very, and it's very just, melancholic. It's just it's like. it's an example of kind of. I mean, both of these movies employ plenty of kind of romance cliches or tropes. Yeah, but do them in such a way that it feels like you know I've never seen a movie do this before. No, have yeah. Never. I've never related so hard to a, you know, <laughs> on-screen romance. Um, I mean, they just kind of subvert things enough to where it's like that feels real. It feels earnest. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, cliches. We will say this. I mean, because life, so life is full of cliches. Yeah, but also cliches
0: are cliches because, because they, they, are, were, and they and are they are impactful. Yeah, It's the reason why you know I will never get tired of the evil villain or a villain kind of antagonist <laughs> becoming good. The redemption oh, kind yeah, of yeah, arc yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, or like with romance films, it's. I love just like slowly watching someone fall in love with one another, mm-hmm. and it's it's always just a blast. Well, and this
1: series is the king of that. Absolutely, I mean, it's I mean like, they fall in love quickly but slowly at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's the the first film is almost like they're speed running through their romance. Yeah. Sunset is almost like they're coming. It's almost like sunset. Their romance is like a dusty book they haven't picked up in years. Yeah. And they bring it back, and they remember why they loved it so much. And now they're just wondering, like, well, what do we do now? It's mm-hmm. like, you have a I kid. I think we know what we do I'm now. An, yeah. <laughs> you have a kid. I'm in Paris. What do we do? And at a certain point, they just realize, like, we'll worry about that tomorrow. Yeah. And that's, like, the most – that is, that is I think, one of the – that's, like, peak romantic shit right there. <laughs> where it's, like, you got to live in the moment got to enjoy it for what it is at the time being and man we are going to enjoy this moment once the camera turns off yeah <laughs> because it is such this movie is such a tease in a way that I've <laughs> never seen another film do and I don't think I'll ever see another film do so well yeah
1: probably probably the least physical affection in a romance movie. It is is the yeah, only time
0: it's the only time where the term I fucking has felt so yeah. prominent yeah. and so real where it's like they're constantly having long looks at one another while the other is on a rant about something. Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, they're just taking everything <laughs> in." <laughs> and it's yeah. just so wonderful and it's so much fun in the f- and it, it it's This this trilogy is so odd already because the fact that both these films are fantastic on I think on the same level yeah and and it it's so weird to have a trilogy like that
1: yeah I mean mean, we we just our last trilogy was maybe you know one of the most consistent trilogies we've ever seen but here we are yeah just as doing that but on another level Yeah. yeah
0: it is the most consistent romance so far and I I hope. To God, (laughs) that Before Midnight keeps that trend, or at least does enough, in in the same way that Sunset is to Sunrise, where it feels like it is a proper... I mean, we watched the trailer after we were done with Sunset, kind of prepping Mm -hmm. ourselves for Midnight, and we were like, oh, I this all makes perfect sense. Yeah,
1: it feels like it would be the most different of the (laughs) three, but also perfectly placed and makes perfect sense for why it would be the way it
0: is sunrise definitely has moments of puppy love sunset has which i think will what makes it arguably probably the best one for both of us is sunset has great moments where you see the clash and conflicts between one another in terms of their ideologies and how they live their lives and how they see the world but it's not in a way that they couldn't work together Mm -hmm. it's just like oh, now they feel more realistic and human because they don't agree on everything yeah. or they don't, they don't just have a love filter over everything. And Midnight looks very much like a, well, we're 10 years into this relationship. <laughs> what is 10 more years going to look? Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to be exciting. And what's also, I mean, it's also crazy too about this trilogy is this trilogy was made solely because Linklater, mm. Hawk, and Delpy wanted to. Yeah, Like, I mean, Delpy, if there's anything that Delpy has reservations for or was semi-pissed about was the fact that Hawk and her did not get uh, screenwriting nods. On the first one. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like the film has this vibe that, like, oh, maybe this film is improv. Not at all. <clears throat> there's nothing about this film that is, in all honesty... It feels so natural, mainly because I can see both Hawk and Del their chemistry
1: paint. is so natural. Yeah. Yeah. it's
0: natural, and they both are so dedicated to their roles that they're putting time and effort to do blocking, the this all the screenwriting yeah. perfectly, the dialogue. Like it's very clear that like they are putting maximum effort into this film. Right.
1: Well, and it, it's clear that like from interviews and statements that the three of them have made about the movies that. They really, I mean, you know, they they these, these movies are basically a combination of all three of their own life experiences. Oh yeah, with love and with partners and because oh, they're you know.
0: all basically best friends at this point. Yeah, very
1: close to a degree. Well, the, the, yeah, the first film is literally based on a night that Linklater had. Yes, in like Philadelphia or something. Where yeah, he met some random woman and they had a really nice night walking around the city and mm-hmm. connected. And then, did you know about the the aftermath of that? No
0: where it's like I think it was during the during sunset or the tour of midnight um he 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 told that story i think several times but he was always curious cuz he never got her number right uh she actually died in a car crash like a few months after oh, wow they did that and it's like it's wild just to think about like the inspiration to that and just like right. yeah like you brought up earlier how like these films are very much about time and mm-hmm. how fleeting it is and how like not ever like a single day is not going to change your entire life but it could define how you look at the further days to a degree mm-hmm. where it's like it, it it'll it'll leave an impact yeah and both these films have that idea of like it is a single day which apparently midnight i think also is yeah, maybe a single day or two yeah. where it's like these are days where they're we're they're making their stand where it's like first film is like we are into each other and we're just going to have fun with it and sunset's like, all right, we did the thing we never thought we actually were going to do.
1: <laughs> what are we are we going to try yeah. this
0: time around? Are we actually going
1: to come together? And it'll be it'll be interesting in the third one to explore how you know because it, it is just one afternoon, just like the previous two are kind of set in one day. Um, but it's you know an afternoon among many for them because at yeah. that point. In the third one, they have been together. Yeah, which, so it's will, like...
0: which will be the most crazy, like, yeah, the most defining one. is just like they have probably had a couple sunsets. They're very <laughs> used to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're very much like they they now know where one each, other, where each one is because they have had kids together. There's kind of no mystery <laughs>
1: about yeah, yeah. what their lives are like at this point.
0: <laughs> we didn't even really talk about how, at least for the first two films, that um, each film takes place in a different setting. You got Vienna in the first film, Paris in the second film, and then Greece in the third film. Yeah. But in the first two, at least, it very much has the vibe that the locations are just as much as characters. Yeah. In the situation where it's like you have Vienna constantly is a character because you get these side characters that come in and either kind of reinforce the romance between the two between Jesse and Celine or just add some nice kind of ambiance or just some yeah, character yeah well it's
1: it's relatively i mean obviously he's from america you know the us and she's from europe but yeah. it's relatively even ground for both of them cuz it's like yeah you know neither of them is from there neither of them really knows the city they wander around yeah. and the city helps them grow together you know it it encourages their uh-huh. their romance their love and then the second one paris is her home turf so yeah. it's kind of her at first, you know, protecting herself by being mm-hmm. in her own, you know, stomping grounds. But then eventually kind of being forced to tear down those walls and let him in yeah. literally to her home. You could definitely see in um, Sunset a lot of her hostility or
0: intensity depends on how close they are to her place <laughs> yeah. we like she, more intense yeah. the closer yeah. they are she to... blows up at, at the right point before. where it's like well we're going right to my place <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah it's like oh no yeah well and it's also cool i'm interested to see if there's kind of a similar thing done in in the third one but in the in the first film at the end of the movie the film kind of flashes back and you see every location they were in throughout yes. the movie yeah and then yeah the, yeah First or in the second film, I think they show you every location they're going to before you get there, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of uh, yeah. It was interesting it was, it was, to it was, see if they play with that more. Yeah,
0: and I, I mean, they're all, they're going to Greece, so I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, I mean, Mamma Mia did that. Mamma Mia is not exactly it's sure, a vastly yeah. different thing. It's like
1: I feel like it's if, just a, such a like a storybook thing. Yeah, they kind of do that, and you know, at mm-hmm. the last minute or beforehand, visit all the locale
0: maybe they'll look at like some old like greek like statues and like some old greek kind of rebel and they'll make a joke about how they're they're that old now or something (laughs) (laughs) because i mean that's gonna be interesting too thinking like going from 30s to 40s just from sunrise to sunset it's so interesting to see how much it's very obvious to say this but like how much 10 years can change a person And it's going to be interesting to see not only are they going to definitely change from sunset to midnight, but they're also going to have children.
1: (laughs) I'm also interested to see what, if anything, is done with his kid that he already has.
0: Because it didn't seem like in the trailer that they ever talk about his kid. Yeah, and his kid could honestly be a teenager at that point. Yeah, I mean, if he's
1: old enough in in Sunset for him to be like having an active, you know, relationship yeah, yeah. with him and like stuff, like he four, talks about maybe four or five, yeah, maybe then he would be a teenager by, or yeah. at least a preteen by. Oh yeah, yeah, the third film. Um,
0: but and it's also the fact that like these films are just made. Like the first film is made a little above two million. The second film is made a little of like two and a half million. Mm-hmm. And I think both films, the first one I think makes a little under 10 million. And then the second one makes 16. Yeah. Like they just like, they are very much small contained films. They are not blockbuster hits, but if you're looking for a solid, phenomenal romance, this is the type of film
1: for you. Yeah. Both well, films. and it's like, and it's, I mean, it's not even, not even like, Oh, if you're in the mood for love or anything like that, like it's just so, so, human yeah and easily you know easy to connect to it's just Mm -hmm. a really fulfilling and kind of cathartic uh reflection on like you know real life relationships you know interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. and love and what love even is and what it could be and you know uh, just just how you treat another person in the context of you know a very personal intimate relationship absolutely and what
0: better than the man who made School of Rock? <laughs> yeah. <have>
1: <laughs> but, Where's my Jack Black romance trilogy? Oh, my Kung God. Kung Fu Bandit, no. Oh, no. yeah.
0: No, Bernie 2. You know, coming to... soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, that is Before Sunset and Before Sunrise. Both phenomenal. We both highly recommend them. They were on HBO Max at one point, they were
1: until very recently. Yeah.
0: I, I think they're now on Hulu. I have no idea. I don't know for sure. I own them now. Yeah. Uh, thank God. Thank you, Grandma, if you're listening for some reason. <laughs> thank you for giving those as a gift because um, they're very nice. Criterion, God bless
1: them. Yeah.
0: But, um, yeah, that is the first two. And after Valentine's Day, on the 20th, we are going to have our talk about Now that the Love Has Bloomed. Has it uh fossilized in any way has yeah, it gotten yeah.
1: has it gotten a little worse? Has it been cultivated? Yeah. Has it grown mm-hmm. wildly out of control or yeah has it begun to wither?
0: or is Ethan Hawk still as charming as he was during his uh you know his twenties oh, and man, his 30s? If there's any more
1: charming, I don't think I'll be able to handle it <laughs> I'
0: was gonna say we're already both smitten by hawk it's yeah. I feel like it's only gonna get worse right there. <laughs> but uh tune in on February twentieth when we do 2013's Before Midnight and finish off the trilogy. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash.
1: And I'm Andy Carr.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day.